Well, I'm telling you, Josh, you got me absolutely exhausted. It's about the size of it. I'm tired just from watching him. I think it's been maybe 25 years ago. I actually could move around like that. I think I even thought that fast. I know I could speak that fast because I've heard old messages. My voice was higher pitched like yours. Wasn't all wore out. But uh, it was a blessing. We've heard on Sound Doctrine. We've heard King James Bible. That's always a good one to kick in. Amen. Amen. Praising the Lord. That's good stuff. We can't grow the church. That's biblical. That's true. No doubt about it. Uh, We can't build the church. Absolutely. Just we can add it in. You can't save souls either. Can't be done. So I'm going to change things around a little bit. I'm doing the same thing. I, you know, Lord only knows how many messages or sermons I've prepared or preached through the years. And I am kind of tired. Now, you can talk about preaching all the time, but I think I've preached 10 times since Friday. So I'm tired. I am tired. I can admit I'm tired. God doesn't get tired, but I do. I'm still in this body. And, uh, and so I'm going to change things around. I, I went and I looked at a lot of the messages. I've got all my messages by category. And I went and looked at some of them. And I was doing the same thing, Brother Josh. just looking through the passage of Scripture. And I thought, well, that's for preachers. That's for preachers. Well, that's about preachers. And the Lord said, no, we'll just go with that. And I said, okay. But it is for preachers. Yeah, but it's for everybody else too. So we'll go with it. But I'm going to go back and start in Acts chapter 2 because that's where you quit at. And, and so I thought, well, that's what we'll do. We'll just... Forget about my introduction, what I was going to do. We'll look at Acts chapter 2 for a minute. Because I was doing what you were doing, I would ask myself a few questions. I mean, why not? We'll ask them questions. When we look at Acts chapter 2, because you closed out basically with praising God. It's the last verse in this chapter. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord did. And you mentioned two or three times you said it, added to the church. But just pause there. What's that next word? Daily. Okay, then, if this church is a praising church. Now, truth of it is, I got saved in Southern... I mean, I'm from Southern West Virginia, but I got saved in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, I've been in some churches in Michigan that could move around the pews. Okay. I've been in Northern Virginia now for 15 years. I've been in evangelism for 15 years, so Lord only knows the diversity of independent Baptists. I mean, you never know what you're going to walk into. I mean, you don't. I mean, from borderline contemporary to uh, overboard legalistic. I mean, we've got the full page when you go into it. So you never know. I look for track racks. I look for hymnals. I look what's on the platform. I do just what you do. So let's just, let's just stop. And if you don't mind, I'm going to hit your pause button. Okay. Just hit the pause button for just a second. And let's, say, let's think about this for a minute. We don't grow the church. We don't build the church. We can't save souls. So we are a church that praises God. We're a church that believes in the King James Version. We know the authority of the Word of God. We know, listen, we know who's preeminent. We know where we have our faith in. Okay. We've got sound doctrine. Sit down with our Constitution or the Word of God. Follow through our statement of faith. We read our church covenant, and the church covenant makes it very clear. That, listen, this is what we say we believe, and this is what we've committed ourselves to do. Okay. Then let me ask you a question. Why aren't we seeing God add to our churches daily? 
Now that's fair. That's a fair question. Is that a fair question, brother? That's a fair question. Because I do believe, as, as with Noah, I believe that, listen, God demands two things of me. He, demand, he demands, well, really three things. He demands holiness from me. He demands faithfulness from me. And He demands obedience. And as long as I'm those things, then I do not have to perform because, listen, I don't, listen I don't, I'm not part of a performance-based religion. My worth is dependent upon Calvary. The blood of Jesus Christ. That took care of it all. I'm done. It's said. It's finished. I was raised in that generation. Late 1960s, early 1970s. That's the average independent Baptist church was performance based. But yet, that's when I got saved. And I was raised in churches around churches where if you didn't do, or you didn't weren't out on soul winning, or if you weren't witnessing, or if you you know you didn't lead somebody to Jesus every week, and the baptism waters you know weren't stirred every week, that something was wrong and sin was in the camp, and that's the way it was preached, that's the way it was presented. But I still pose the question: God hasn't changed. You say, well, it's bad times. Well, it was bad times in the days of Noah. Those weren't easy times. Those were tough times. God's still on the throne. God does not sleep. God doesn't get tired. Holy Spirit's still the Holy Spirit. He's still the superintendent of my soul. He's still in charge. So why isn't the church been an attitude daily? Take your Bibles and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, while you're turning there, the book of Nahum. Now, Nahum, it is in the Bible, just so you know. It's one of those major minors, okay? Nahum chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, A chariot shall rage in the streets. They shall jostle one against another in the broadways. They shall seem like torches. They shall run like the lightnings. Now, that's the day we live in. Man, we're busy people. I was sharing with a brother from over at Warm Springs before services today. I, I have a... Christian school, and I have a daycare. And just so you have some kind of grip on the thing, I've got uh, four men that work for me, and I've got 41 women that work for me. 41 women. Well, where's the brother? You've got all these boys. Where's that? Where are you at, John? There you go. Just so you understand, even if you have another boy and you round her out at seven, that's not near the drum of one girl in the house. <laughs> not even close, brother. God gave me a boy and gave me four girls. I know drama. God prepared me for the pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Because I found out real quick that I can approach, listen, I got a problem with Brother Josh. I can say, Brother Josh, listen, on this specific doctrine, this specific thing you said this evening, I've got a problem the way you said that. And he's going to take it for face value. I dealt with him on the issue that we're dealing with. It wasn't a personal thing. It had to do with the doctrine that I was specific about. And we will deal with that thing, have a word of prayer, hug one another, and go on and serve the Lord. I can say that to a woman, and it's just over. You've just said it. It's all done. We're finished. Because now she's broken hearted. I said it with love. I said it with kindness. I was specific. I explained myself thoroughly. But what came out of my mouth, what went into her ears, was totally two different things. So if you can have any idea what it's like to have 41 women work for you. Yes, you got it. Uh, I look forward to going out and knocking doors. 
Amen. But I was sitting here as you preaching, and I thought, okay, I want to be fair. I want to, I want to be able to spend some time, and I, I'm no way I'm going to get through what I have here. And I did do the same thing. God just gave me this. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Just take a moment here in verse 16. The Bible says, For though I preach the gospel. Now, when I've always read that passage of Scripture, though I preach the gospel, Apostle Paul's talking about himself, talking about preaching the gospel. We know we're dealing with the church of Corinth. And so I, to me, I'm always I'm dealing with preachers when I think about this. But just pause and let me have a little levity with the Scriptures. And let's just say that your responsibility as a Christian is so when, your responsibility to be a witness to others, your job is to preach the gospel. There's no one in here that doesn't have a responsibility, if you're saved and born again, to declare the gospel to others. I, listen, I have nothing save the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the summation of who I am. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, now the Bible says here, for necessity is laid upon me. Now necessity to me, by definition, is an obligation. I'm obligated. And I don't want to take that away from you. You are obligated to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe with all of my heart, with everything that's in me, that there's people that listen. When we stand at the beam of seat of Jesus Christ, when we see the white throne judgment, and people are cast in hell. There's people that you had a responsibility to go to. And you say, well, someone else will reach them. No, that was your responsibility to give them the gospel. It's your job. We were in Bible college. And uh, we had just got married. We worked for Steak and Shake. Do you have Steak and Shakes? You know where Steak and Shake is? Okay. That's no good anymore. It used to be, man, when you got Chili Mac, it was stacked. And Debbie and I actually, we, we just got married, was going to Bible college, so at night we cleaned steak and shake and prepared the food for the next day. Well, their, their, the assistant manager for this place was one of the wicked, most wicked people I'd ever met. And he was mean. He was an angry person. And he didn't like me. And he had a, had a bad habit of flirting with the ladies and the flirting with the waitresses. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was intimidated by this man. I was no little guy. At that time, I was a big guy, and, 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 but I was, he was much older than me, and, and he carried a little sawed-off bat, and I've seen him bash people's windshields in, and he was just a mean man. And uh, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I stayed clear of him. I stayed away from him. And I can, remember, I can remember the need to say, hey, listen, I'm in Bible college. I have a responsibility to at least tell this man about Christ. This is a wicked man. Now, the town that I lived in, Springfield, Missouri at that time, had over 40 independent Baptist churches. I'm not saying a man hadn't heard the gospel before, but I know what the Holy Spirit had told me. I had a responsibility to talk to him, and I was terrified to talk to him. And I can remember not talking to the man. And one night, we found on our Friday night, we, we went into the next day. Saturday was a day off for us. We could sleep in a little bit. And I found out that that night he had got out and actually had another woman in the car, wasn't his wife, and hit the end of a concrete bridge doing almost 80 miles an hour. And his head went through the back window. That's where they found his head, in the back window. He went clean through. Hit that bridge, went through, and then backwards. How it happened that way, but that's where his head was at. And he went into eternity without Christ. I've given that... Illustration, that testimony, hundreds of times. Why? Because I know, I know that I can't, as many of the apostles say, hey, listen, my hands are free of blood. I know that. Because I was, listen, the Holy Spirit let me know I should have told that man. 
So I have a necessity, I have an obligation to tell others about Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. It says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. But now, woe. Well, that's, that means I'm to obey the command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And woe to me if I don't do that. Why? Because I'm going to do what I just did to you. I'm going to give you the regrets of not doing what I was supposed to do. I mean, I, 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 listen, at Calvary Baptist Church in Baltimore, I can remember times on Monday mornings where you're tired, you've preached on Sundays, you're dealing with the finances of the church, you've got all those things that are happening, you get a phone call, listen, you need to go to the hospital. Baltimore has 27 hospitals. 27. Including John Hopkins, who owns four or five of those hospitals now. Hospital calling in Baltimore was two or three days a week for our staff. I mean, it was just constant because we all, always had people coming in to Baltimore to John Hopkins people calling you could you go see and on several occasions I know getting busy and you get the phone call say listen I'm going to have to run down the hospital I need to do that I need to do this something I need to do and then you pause you don't do it you get down there and find out they passed away and was, was it so important what I was doing at the church that I couldn't have grabbed my Bible and went on well been hard on yourself, preacher? No, because I know what the Holy Spirit would tell me to do. I know what was important. So, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. They have those regrets, those griefs, those times when I knew that I was to preach and I didn't. Obligation. I like to fish and hunt. I love fish and hunt. And uh, hunting's never been an obligation to me. It's not like, oh, man, I just can't believe I have to get priest in. Man, it's almost October. Man, I'm really dreading this. It's kind of like we do with soul winning, amen? Like coming down on Saturday. Because that's when you're not going to feel good. That's when you've got 13 things you've got to do. Anything other than preaching the gospel. Is that what it comes down to? Sure. I mean, it's never been an obligation to me. I, uh, since I started working with Birds of Prey, and, and for you that don't know it, I'm a licensed falcon. I, I hunt with birds. And, uh, and so we, we get the opportunity to not always, you know, you were talking about I love being in church and I love being with God's people and people like me. Well, truth of it is, I'm kind of the opposite. Uh, truth of it is, I like being with a bunch of lost people. God's just, it's just it's, I found out it's really a lot of fun. I was up in Michigan doing a big sportsman's banquet over near Lansing, Saginaw. They had about three or 400 men, and they were heckling me. We had so many lost people there that night that all the women went in the auditorium was down praying because they were cussing me, man, from the floor, but I had the microphone. They didn't. So it's good stuff. And I, I like that. I mean, honestly, truthfully, I, it's, it's a real opportunity to get to give the gospel to lost people. It's a tremendous opportunity. I, I like the fact that, hey, listen, God puts me in that position where I can deal with the lost. And through the birds of prey, you know, God has let us reach so many lost people, get out there and preach to groups. And you know, truth of it is, right now, just so you understand, for you that are members of this church, if this church was full 
of lost people. Because you'd went out there and told them about Jesus and they'd saw the light of Christ in you and that you were led by the Spirit and you knew you couldn't grow the church and you couldn't build the church and you couldn't save their soul but you were led by the Spirit of God to tell them. And you gave the gospel and this building was full, you would be uncomfortable right now. You would. All these people coming in, who's these people? That's what you'd be doing. We're kind of outnumbered in here. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I mean, the truth of it is, camp meeting's a fun place because you're all one heart, one mind, united. But that's not what we're here for. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to glorify God. But I'm here to give the gospel. I'm here to tell others about Jesus. And it, it ought not, even though, listen, it is an obligation. we got to do it. We're commissioned to do it. If we don't do it, listen, who's going to do it? No doubt about it. Hey, when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, it wasn't to 11. It was to all of us that are saved. It was to every one of us. I know I have an obligation. But I like the next verse. For if I do this thing willingly, I go from obligation to opportunity. Willingly. I like doing it. I look forward to the tree stand. I can't run through the woods like I used to. And it's only been a couple years ago. For you that don't like sitting in a tree stand, when you hunt with a bird of prey, a bird flies, you don't. We have hollers up here. Don't we call, we call them hollers even in this part of West Virginia, amen? It's a holler. What's a holler? Well, it's a, it's a gorge in some places. I mean, truth of it is, you up at the top, you go down the bottom, you go up the other side. That's a holler. Well, the bird, he sees the top of a tree. He flies from top of this tree, top of that tree. He crosses the holler. I have to go down and go back up the other side. I don't run like that anymore. And so that red tail, he goes across, he's chasing a squirrel over there top. I got to go down, go back up the other side. He gets over there and decides he wants to go back the other side. I have to go down, go back up the other side. I just don't do that well anymore. That's why God gives you grandchildren, lots of sons. <laughs> Son, you get over there and get to that bird. If he's got a squirrel, hold on to it until I get there. That's about the size of it. What I'm saying is in factory, you do a lot of walking, you do a lot of running. It's not like setting. You get out with four or five people, you run through barbed wire fences because you're always looking up and you fall into creeks, fall into rivers, you do that kind of That's why I got scars all over my face. It's an opportunity. I absolutely love it. My wife would always say, honey, I do not understand why in the world you'd want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and it is 3 below and the wind is going 50 miles an hour and it's freezing rain, and it's freezing snow, and you want to go out there and sit in a tree stand all day long. Honey, I wait all year to do this. (laughs) Now, if we we can feel that way about going to church, if we can enjoy the house of God the way we're supposed to, if we are truly praising God... And if we really do believe this old King James Bible, then why in the world aren't we sharing Jesus? Because we want to. Because we get excited about it. Why not? I do this thing willingly, cheerfully, without reluctance. 
It says there, I have a reward, a recompense. I get a return. Now that return, listen to me, it's not just the blessing of obedience or being faithful. It's a return. You think, I've got a grandson that hasn't killed a deer yet. Do you know what? If he doesn't kill one this year, I think he's going to get disinterested. Honestly, I don't think it's because all that pain of sitting in the tree stand and freezing his toes off and target shooting, going through all of that and never getting a deer, I think he's about ready to give up on it. That makes sense. I believe God wants to give us fruit. You, I've heard all the analogies, all the illustrations whether we're picking fruit, but God, He uses the one there in Mark 1. He says, Now as He walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, His brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after Me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Yeah. Now, fishers of men means you're going to catch fish. Right. You're going to catch fish. Yeah. Now, He's the one that saves them. He's the one that puts them both. That's the whole point. Sure. I realize that. And I know that I have to be faithful and I know I have to be obedient and it's only through God's holiness that I'm able to do anything that I do. But He said He'd add to us daily. And when I got saved in 1967, I can remember people coming to the aisle and getting saved. I can remember people walking down the aisle with people that they'd led to Jesus out on soul winning. And why isn't that happening today? I mean, we're hooping and hollering about praising God. And yes, sir, we believe the King James Version. And I'm in church and I say I love the brethren. And I love the fellowship with the brethren. Then why isn't he adding daily? It ought to be happening. I think we ought to get passionate about fishing. Not an obligation, but an opportunity. Listen to somebody that's passionate about it. You listen to my son for 10 minutes about falconry. I promise you, you'll want to go out and get a bird. He'll charge you up about it. I mean, a guy has to really love golf to talk me into golf. Because I just can't understand why anybody would take the time to hit a ball down a green or down a fairway when you could be in a tree stand shooting that ball off the green with a twenty-two rifle. Doesn't make any sense to me. Why in the world would I want to be hitting something when I could be shooting something? It makes absolutely no sense to me. We need to get passionate about it. They that sow in tears. I think tears start prayer. I agree with you 1,000%. That's Bible. We don't love souls because, listen, we don't start out praying for them. The Holy Spirit and us get together and we get it right. I believe that with all my heart. And that's where the passion starts as far as... I think you need to know your fishing hole. These are simple things. The more your soul... Listen. (coughs) The more your soul... communes with God... and you witness to your neighbors... and I think it ought to start with your neighbors... Those people you talk to, the more you'll learn your neighbors and the more you'll be concerned about your neighbors. I learned, just so you understand, I can have a church member in the pew every Sunday for three years. I can deal with them in my office a half a dozen times, but I will learn more about that person in their home in ten minutes than I have in all those three years and then six times in my office. 
we've got to get out where they are. Um, my wife, to this day, if I start asking her, can start naming all the families in O'Donnell Heights. She still prays for many of them. And I can remember my wife running up to 160 on her buses in her route. But you know what that came from? That came from praying over those people and knocking on those doors all the time to the point they got sick of seeing her. That's not our problem today in our churches because we're not concerned enough. We're just too busy. We're moving around like lightning. And let me tell you something. I don't think it ever hits the ground. We need to know our fishing holds, folks. You know, uh, I go to the Harrisburg show, and you that are familiar with that, up in Harrisburg is the largest hunting and fishing show in America. Uh, Four years ago, they had 1.3 million people come through there. That's a lot of people to be able to, I mean, we hand out tracks till we run out. And we present the birds. And I talk to these guys that on the outdoor channel, and these guys that, like you were talking about preaching, we love to preach, but truth is, some of those guys, they hunt. They hunt 260, 270 days out of the year. It's become a business to them. They don't enjoy it anymore. They lose their joy. And it's not long, they're off the networks. Why? Because, you know, you can pick up when somebody's not joyful, not enjoying what they do anymore. And don't you think when you go out there and you just knock on doors and you say, listen, we'd like to invite you out to Faith Baptist Church and you don't talk to them anything about the Lord Jesus Christ and they don't see the joy of the Lord in you and they see you're not, you're, this is an obligation to you, it's not an opportunity for you. Don't you think they see that? You say, well, the Holy Spirit, no, the Holy Spirit blesses His Word and He'll bless your faithfulness, but if it's an obligation, not an opportunity, are you seeing where I'm coming from this evening? Okay, I don't want to have to beat it in the ground. Something else, he knows how to set the hook. I like that. Experience and leave the Holy Spirit will enable you to find a way to connect to the person to whom you're speaking. Each conversation needs to be personal. Uh, You know, the more you soul win, the more you learn how to get close to somebody quick. You say, is this just, no, no, listen to me now. I don't like to golf. I think I made that clear, right? But if I find out somebody likes to golf, then I'll let him talk about his golfing. And I'll endure it. They may want to, hey, listen, that dear little lady may want to talk about her cat. I hate cats. I'm just telling you, we're at church together. I'm not going to lie about it. I mean, I tolerate dogs, but I hate cats. If it doesn't have wings, I have no use for it. That's pretty much the size of it, you know. I like things that like to eat and kill. Kind of like Baptist men. <laughs> that's, that's what I like. You know, I enjoy my birds. And that's what I enjoy being around. I don't, I have absolute, I, if I had a big eagle right now, I'd train to kill cats. That's what I do. But that lady wants to talk about her cat, I'll let her talk about her cat. I was with a family today, wasn't I? They had a dog that looked just like a rat. That dog was about that big. That big. And his hair was 16 years old. I mean, it, if there's a dog heaven, it's where it needs to be. <laughs> a dog could hardly walk. I, you know, and, and they talked about that dog like it's their child. You know, and I, okay. Yeah. I could be sympathetic to that. Hey, got to learn how to set the hook. Right. 
Now you say, well, that's just experience. Well, that is experience, but experience comes from what? You can have all of the discipleship and soul winning classes you want. I can get Josh up here and he can lead me to the Lord and I can lead him to the Lord and we can go through the Romans road and I can, hey, listen, we can go down through, we can go to John chapter 3. We can spend all of our time doing that kind of stuff, but the best way to do it is to get out there and do it. And I like it when they got the Apostle Paul where they either run him out of town or try to kill him or throw him out of town and he turns right around, comes right back in and does it again. And when we start doing that again, then we'll have something to praise God about. We'll be victorious. (laughs) I don't want to give the hope of bait, but I want to provide the bait. I don't, I don't want to tease people. I want people to get saved. I don't want... We need to avoid talking about church and start talking about Jesus. Amen. The main issue is the eternity of their soul. And I think we ought to get as many hooks in water as possible. I was just writing these down as I was looking at this passage. I think we need to use a lot of scripture. Uh, Steve Ludwig, he was talking about uh, prison ministries. Steve Ludwig was our youth director for many years. I don't even know how many years he was, several years. Steve came forward one morning and said he wasn't saved. Youth director of our church. He says, I'm not saved. I got a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. <clears throat> well, I could have went to Romans chapter 3. Well, he'd taken numerous teenagers to Romans chapter 3. I could have taken him to John chapter 3. You know where the Lord sent me? Back to Psalms. And that man with dried up bones. Go over there to Psalms chapter 32. And I started going down through that and all of a sudden I seen the tears starting to drop down off his cheek. Hey listen, Holy Spirit knows what scriptures you're supposed to use. I'm not a mechanic. Hey listen, I'm not mechanical. I'm to be led by the Spirit of God, know the Word of God, and listen, trust God that God, God knows what to do. God will give you things right down the line if you're in the God, Word of God. Amen. Get as many hooks in the water as possible. I, I, I like the thought of it. Uh, one of the things you've got to learn to do is the very thing that we've been talking about. Debbie talked about that gentleman getting saved. I met that man. His, he would never even visit the church. He'd never come to Lighthouse. Hated the things of God, didn't want to be around the things of God. His father-in-law was having heart surgery. And we got to sit down in the lobby. That's where the Lord put me with him. Found out I liked deer hunt. Talked about deer hunting a little bit. Got to talk. And listen, come four weeks, four weeks. I saw the fourth week. I was up there preaching. I looked over at him. I could see it all over his face. I said, yo, he's done for, man. His, his goose is cooked. He's, he's done. Nobody stands up for the truth of the word of God long enough. He stays in church. And when he came forward, week before last, he walked up and he said, Preacher, I can't tell you, i got to get saved. And when he, listen, got saved, he came to me and he says, When can I get baptized? That's when somebody gets saved. Right. When can I get baptized? You know, sometimes you just have to be a little patient and let the Holy Spirit do His work. It's not your job to save people. Amen. That's, the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you have to be patient. Allow, allow the fish to take the hook. Because he wants to. Yeah. You know, I preach to a lot of lost people. A lot of these sportsmen's banquets you get into, and I found out a long time ago, nobody's going to see the need for salvation until they see that they need Jesus. Right. Yeah. They've got to see their need. Right. 
They've got to realize that, listen, 83-year-old man that's been to Korea and come through the war, and he's bitter about death, and he's bitter about life, he has to see that, listen, Jesus loves him so much he can still get saved, and he has to see the need before he goes into eternity. He has to see hell's hot. I have no problem preaching on hell to get somebody saved. No man cometh unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. The Spirit of God draws. And then it's, listen, it's the Spirit of God that does the operation on a man. You're talking about opening your heart. No, you just got to need God. God will take care of the operation. He'll take care of that. I love illumination. I love to look back and see an old wrinkled face. And all of a sudden you just see light kick on in their head. Got it. Holy Spirit illuminated their heart. And for the first time they see themselves on their way to hell and in need of a Savior. I love to be able to deal with somebody the Word of God. And all of a sudden you just see it. Click. And listen, that's between them and God. Mine is to give it. I think we ought to talk about consistently our passion fishing. Uh, when I came to West Virginia, my permit number in the state of West Virginia, West Virginia was the next to last state to legalize falconry where you hunt with a bird prey. It's a natural resource state, but they just, they just wouldn't do it because they didn't want to put the money into it. And so uh, my permit number is 002. That's, I'm, I'm the second licensed falconer in the state. And now we have 30, I think 37 now, that 37 comes from Jason Healy Friday to do the West Virginia Hunting and Fishing Days. And almost all of those guys are falconers because of the passion that my son has for the sport. That passion, you know why? Because he talks about it. Somebody walk up and say, man, is that a hawk? Where'd you get that hawk? Man, I'd like to have one of them as a pet. Can't have one as a pet. Well, what do you do with it? Well, I hunt with it. No, you don't hunt with it. You mean you hunt it? You shoot them? No, I hunt with it. And he'll start talking about it. If we, listen, if we were really excited about reaching the world for the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd be talking about it. Right. We'd be talking about to one another. Right. We'd get excited about the marks. We'd get excited about somebody coming to that, down the altar and getting saved. Amen. I remember when I got saved, my preacher was jumping all over the place. You want somebody jumping around? Every time somebody gets saved. We was in a church over in northern Maryland. And I just loved it. Man, when somebody come get forward, that whole church would drop on their knees. He said, man, somebody's been born right now. There's a birth taking place. Man, we ought to be praising God and praying for this one that's coming into, listen, eternal life. We don't get excited about people getting saved anymore. Nah. uh -uh. No, because it's an obligation, not an opportunity. We're not doing it willingly. (coughs) I keep records. I'm done. I keep records. I, my best word, my best bird was named integrity. That's my favorite Bible word. I love the word integrity. I like straightness. Right. I like being true. Yeah. I like knowing that, listen, when God reaches in, in, into his scabbard, he's going, I'm, I'm fit to be used. Sure. I like that straightness. Yeah. I like the word integrity. So I called her Teg. And I kept records on Teg. And you know what? I love to brag about her best day. Her best day is taking five squirrels in 42 minutes. 
I mean, that's a hawk killing five squirrels and 14. You know, I don't even understand that preacher. Well, yeah, you, but you've never hunted with a bird. I've seen guys that have a bird and hunt all season and never get a squirrel. I mean, she was just phenomenal. I've seen her grab a squirrel, start down the trees. She's falling with the one squirrel, see another squirrel, grab another squirrel, and have one in each talon. I mean, she was just, she was brutal. I mean, I just loved her. If I pull out my journal, I can show you every day I kept records. See, Mark, Mark walks in church on Sunday now. I light up. It's like all those people in that auditorium full of people, when he walks in, I get excited. Because now, hey, listen, he's not only got saved, but now he's getting baptized and he wants to grow. And it's my job, it's my privilege to get to do that. And yes, sir, I keep records. I mean, I show pictures of my big fish. I've got a painting in my office. Everybody comes to the church right now, you've got to come see my painting. Because I have a, a really good friend who's a falconer that got saved at one of our sportsmen's banquets. And he's an artist. He works for National Geographic and all of them. Matt Fry and Matt painted a picture with me for my birthday with integrity. And I've got a picture of me with that. Hey, listen, it's a big deal. Why isn't souls a big deal? He should add to us daily. And if he's not, if he's not, why not? I think perhaps maybe it's an obligation. And even with that, most of the time, we sit in the pews and we're under guilt because we don't, because we really just don't want to. And listen, and until you're willing to admit you just don't want to, you won't. And you can pretend to come down here and pray at the altar and pray over these slips of paper, but until they become souls and people to you, yeah, right. sorry. Let's bow our heads together.